Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I have noticed that I have been talking to a lot of women in their early 30s who are going through this sort of life crisis where they're like, this is the life I'm living. Am I living the right life? And I just hear that question so strongly in my heart and in my bones. And today we're talking to Sarah who has the same question, but in all of her specificity. And I think that these are really hard questions to ask, but really important ones. I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and this is Should I Quit? Hi, Sarah. Hi, Vanessa. So I can see the beautiful and highly apt space behind you, but can you please describe where you are right now to our listeners? I am in my ballet studio, ballet school slash Pilates studio in upstate New York. That's where I'm working and recording. And what is your relationship to this studio? Yeah, so I actually have kind of a in some ways, a perfect setup. I live in an apartment right above the studio. I'm living like my little sitcom life where my life is just like contained in like three sets. So I live right above the studio. I've been here in this space for seven years. Um, And I'm here, yeah, kind of when I'm here, I'm here. I'm here all day on and off. We live in a little downtown of a small town. So if I'm not running to pick up my son from school or drop him off from school or going to get coffee or whatever, then I'm just kind of like here buzzing around the building. (laughs) And do you teach classes there? What do you do at the ballet studio? So I do everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have a couple of employees, but we teach primarily classical ballet is like most of my background. And then we also have a few other dance styles. Like we do a musical theater style, jazz, 
modern dance. And then I have like this separate program that's Pilates and yoga that I kind of like ended up taking over from another studio that was existing and that owner moved. And I kind of ended up with both businesses all in one space. So we have one main dance studio here. And then in the back, I have a room with four Pilates reformers and some other equipment where we do Pilates and fitness training. So I do all of that. (laughs) You're a, a very local mogul. Yeah, that's how it works in these towns. It's like we all wear 45 different hats because there are actually more cows than people in this town. So the people who are here have to do a lot of things. (laughs) So what question brings you here today? Because if it's, should I quit living in a town where cows outnumber people? The answer (laughs) is no. That sounds ideal. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think the two are kind of tied up with each other, actually. Yeah. My question is, should I quit running this ballet school? It's been my career path. Uh, The dance world has been my career path since I was a kid. And now that I'm in a little bit, I'm older, I'm in my 30s. I have a 10-year-old. I recently remarried. And now I'm like, the rest of my life feels very like happy and stable. And my studio is still like a joy for me in many ways. But also I'm like, am I doing this because like it is what I want to be doing and it's where I'm fulfilled? Or is it just because this is where my identity has been for my whole life? So um, and I don't make any money doing it. So like, what am I doing? Am I just going to do this until I physically can't anymore? And then, and then what? You know, so. You don't make any money doing this? I recently put myself on payroll. Great. For $15 an hour. But I only pay myself for my teaching hours because I'm trying to, in an effort to not spread myself so thin, I hired an administrative assistant. And so I'm trying to make sure I can keep her on payroll. So there's a lot of unpaid time that I put into the studio. I won't say I won't make any money, but I make far less than minimum wage, if you like. Right. So right now, that's kind of the financial situation. I mean, it, it pays its bills. It's self-sustaining. It's growing, which is great. But there's only one me and like yeah, one space and so many hours in a day. So that's the situation. So if you're not making any money doing this, why are you doing it? Well, I stumbled into teaching. Growing up, I was on track to be, like my background, I trained pre-professionally in ballet, had a pretty unpleasant experience with a certain teacher and then ended up sort of switching my, I was told I was not tough enough, which is true, like I was not tough enough to do classical ballet. And I switched my career path to musical theater, other kinds of dance. But it was all I like really saw myself doing. I ended up getting married when I was 19 and leaving New York City, kind of leaving that any potential of like having a performing career behind, which I didn't fully understand I was doing at the time and moved up to this kind of rural area and there were no dance jobs. So there was a studio that was closing and I kind of ended up moving in and taking it over. That was my first studio. Um, And I did that because I had to essentially, like there were no jobs, especially not jobs in anything I was trained to do. Like My skill set is not one that is relevant to many farming communities, let's just say. I was not going to get a job on a farm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So at that time, it was paying our bills when I was 21 and, you know, really scraping by. It was month to month. It was below the poverty line, but it was what I did to put my first husband through college. And then I loved, I I discovered I really loved teaching and it was a way of like kind of reclaiming some of those bad ballet experiences I'd had. But... um, I'm going to get emotional. It's what I always did. And then I sold the first studio and 
I found this grant opportunity to bring an arts-based business to this town where I am currently. I brought it here and reopened seven years ago, and it's just sort of like, it's just what I've done, you know? So I love it and I get fulfillment from it, but I'm like, it's just a lot of stress and like, it's just me. I'm like alone here, you know? So Yeah. I can't believe anybody ever told you that you aren't strong enough to do anything. <laughs> like, you're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I'm a crier, as you can see now. Um, me too. And I, there are many, many reasons that I'm glad that I left that kind of career path. I don't even know if I would have stayed in the dance world if sure. I had kind of stayed on that track. Yeah. But yeah, it was like, because you're a 13-year-old girl who cries, you know, you're not tough enough to make it in this industry, which is fine, you know. So that's the long rambly version. Can you tell me, like, what what are these tears? Are they tears of frustration, of regret? Like, can you tell me about what that feeling is? I don't know. I think I think it's a lot of different things. Frustration a little bit, for sure. I tend to, I'm a frustrated crier. But also just sort of like sadness for the things that could have been if I had made different choices when I was younger or I don't think I was given a great understanding of how many possibilities there are in life. And that like it was very much like you're on one track and this is what you have to do and this is what success means. And I think I, I've always been very ambitious and very like when I do something, I just go all in like you know, you don't get married at 19 while you're in college, like, because you're not like passionate about things, you know, you don't open a business unless you like want are ready to go all in. And so that's what I've always done. Um, but I don't think, yeah, I think the tears are a little bit like, I wish I would have had somebody who, and maybe people did. I don't know. I was stubborn. I wasn't going to listen to anybody anyway, but I had someone who was like, you didn't have to do it that way. You could do this. You could do that. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I often think I mean, this is not the same, but I often think that that's why I became a teacher is because I didn't know what jobs there were. And like, <laughs> I knew, I knew about teachers. Yeah. And so I, I think that what you're talking about is like so frustrating in the dance world in a very particular way. And then incredibly like lonely in your experience. But I also think it's one that's going to resonate with a lot of people of like, I didn't even know what adulthood was going to be. <laughs> When you're in the ballet world, you're like thinking about your career when you're 11. Right. Like, I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to get a job in a company when I'm 18. And then I'm going to become a principal dancer. Or for me, it was just, I didn't want to be like a principal dancer or a star. I just wanted to dance. Like, I just want mm -hmm. that to be my job. And um, I was so eager to like be an adult when I was young. I was like, yeah. I got my first job, dance job at 16. I would have like kept doing that. I was like, oh, you can't tell me I'm too young to get married. I'm going to get married. I, you know, I had my son when I was 22. I don't regret that at all, but, you know, other people had their 20s to, like, figure stuff out. And I was, like, running a full business and raising a child. And it's just a lot. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so now I'm, like, all right, I'm 30 th 33 now. And, like, am I just going to be doing this forever? And yeah. if so, maybe I'd want to – maybe this is what I want to be doing. I just, you know. It's a moment to pause. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so – you have this dance studio. You're in this place. You're 33 years old. You own the building. You are making... I don't own the building. <laughs> oh, you don't own the building. Okay. You own no, the studio. I own the, I own the business, but you I own don't the business. own my rent. So. Got it. Okay, great. Thank you. 
So tell me quickly the pros and cons of living this life that you currently live. Pros, I get to be my own boss, which it's a pro and a con, right? I took a year after selling my first studio. I took a year, worked in a different dance environment, and I learned so much that year. But I think I figured out that I I really struggle to work in the ballet world where I don't feel like I'm in control. Yeah. Yeah, I get to I get to make my own decisions. I get to use this skill that I've spent my whole life developing, connect with kids, teach kids, hopefully give kids a more positive experience than I had, which is I think like, you know, a huge motivation behind why I like want to teach ballet specifically. And this is the reason I opened here in this location is like there are very few performing arts opportunities in these areas, particularly ballet. And so if I, if this school weren't here, the closest place, if somebody wants to get actual ballet training is going to be an hour, hour and a half drive. And they're just, most of the kids I teach would just never experience it. So that idea that I'm giving kids and audiences too, when we perform the chance to like experience something that they might not otherwise. Um, that's been kind of like my why, I guess, for -hmm. the last decade plus that I've been doing this. Mm-hmm. And then of course, like I love living and working on right one place. I have no desire necessarily right now to like own a house or any of that. So having like our nice apartment, it's a low cost of living here is nice. And as far as cons, being the only one, like being alone in the business, I'm the one who has to make all the decisions, who's doing 99% of the teaching. And then I teach every evening, like my son gets home from school. I don't really see him that much during the week. You know, I teach 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. most evenings, a lot of Saturday mornings. I also teach during the day when I have private lessons and there's nobody to sub for me. Like if I, yeah, the feeling like I'm really tied to the business and I have to be here all the time, particularly in like my husband works remotely most of the time and we would have more freedom. My other, I also work as a freelance writer. So that work is all very remote and flexible and I make more money doing it. And so it's sort of like, oh, I'm tied to this business when I could be less physically tied to a space. Yeah. It's so interesting because you live in this like farming town and your relationship (laughs) to the studio is similar, I think, to a lot of people to their farms, right? Like, yeah. I can't go on vacation because the cows don't go on vacation, right? Like there's just this like things stop surviving when you are gone. And that's a tremendous amount of pressure to live under. So if I'm understanding the moment that you're in, you're like, my kid is older. I'm married now. And that has afforded you a little bit more financial stability. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I don't think the studio would have survived the pandemic if I hadn't met my husband. Mm -hmm. But yeah, my husband has a really stable corporate job, makes a good salary, especially for the area where we live. Mm -hmm. And it's nice not to have, it's a huge relief to not have the pressure of like, oh, I have to like be teaching as much as I possibly can, even if I hate it and I'm burned out because if I'm not teaching as much as I possibly can, then the bills don't get paid or whatever. But with that comes sort of like a twofold. It's like, okay, so I have to really be loving this or getting some value from it if it's not like financial. And 
I see like <laughs> my husband's ability to like leave work at work and like he's making a good amount of money and still has like, and that's to his credit, he's very good at maintaining a work-life balance, which I think a lot of that is on me. Like I struggle with that, but yeah, I see like, oh, and then I, I do all this freelancing and I've kind of gotten some more full-time job offers through it that could be like, I'm like, oh, I could have like a nice salary too. And then the financial stuff wouldn't be all on him. And then we could save more and we could, you know, I could have retirement plans and maybe one day we buy a house or whatever it is. We travel more. We want to do when we're older and our son's graduated. But yeah, I don't know. I guess I kind of see like, oh, what would life be like if I had a quote unquote real job? Yeah. So that's kind of like the two sides of the coin of the financial picture. Is there anything other than the financial ups to it? Well, yes, freedom, right? The the ups to leaving the studio and getting a full-time job. Is it, am I understanding this correctly? You'll make more money and you will feel freer. That's what I'm wondering. Like, okay. would I feel freer? Mm-hmm. I've had little stints of working like in an office situation. When I left my first studio, I was working mostly in an office and teaching a little bit at a company. And it was like, kind of ideal in many ways, lots of flexibility, but I like hated sitting in an office all day. Yeah. I'm not sure if I would feel freer or it's just my grass is always greener kind of thing. Like right now I'm in the weeds of running a business and I see, yeah, I'm, I'm letting myself be like overwhelmed by all of the things of the day to day and not really looking at the big picture as much. Yeah. So it sounds like there are three options, right? There's keep running the studio, there's trying to find a nine-to-five job, and then there's freelancing. Have you done the thing where you're like, okay, five years from now, what does best case scenario in all three of these look like? I don't think I've gotten that far in my thinking. Yeah. (laughs) The thing I keep coming up against is like, the reason I'm in this town is because this is where my studio is. Mm -hmm. Like I chose it. So if I close the studio... I don't see why I would stay here, except that my son, this is his home. Yeah. We love the school here. He's got all his friends. He's very outgoing. He's involved in a million things. And he's about to start sixth grade. And like, I don't want to be that mom who's like, okay, like mom changed her mind. So now your life is going to be uprooted. So I'm kind of like, if I close the studio, do I have a I I guess I could hypothetically stay, you know, I could stay here for sure. It's not like they would be like, okay, your studio's closed. You have to leave town now, turn in (laughs) your key to the village. Yeah. But yeah, like I'm not from this area. My husband's not from this area. (laughs) In many ways, there's like not a lot keeping us here, except it's my son's home and it's the school. And I know I would want to stay some way connected to teaching or dance. Like I know I don't want to like cut that off entirely. Sure. But you could freelance and then teach three classes a week at someone else's studio. Right, exactly. What if I were to say to you, it sounds like you should stay in this town for the next seven years. And then you have like seven years to figure out what the next phase is. You and your husband can like spend the next seven years daydreaming. And you have Mm your 40s and 50s to do the next thing. But until your kid graduates from high school, you should stay in this town. How does that feel? Are you like totally? Are you like, uh? I mean, it feels feels right, I guess. It's so hard for me as a person who like, when I have an idea, I want to do it right away. 
Like, <laughs> I don't really like sit on things and consider them. And then there's my brain that's like, oh, am I wasting all of this time? Like, am I wasting potential that I could have if I were to, you know, I've always been like in my back of my head, like I want to go back to graduate school. I want to like write more. I want to, and not that I can't do those things at the same time. I don't know. I just, I have this like constant feeling like I'm running out of time, which is, I think it goes back to a few things in my you know, life, like ballet, like you have a short career. And then also like, I come from like a fairly religious upbringing where it's like, end times are coming any day. <laughs> like make sure you're being prepared. And so like taking the time to just like chill out and be like, let's plan for seven years or five years or whatever is like not something I've ever given myself the space to do. So I hear what you're saying is like, probably what I need to do, but my brain is still like, but, but. <laughs> but to some extent you can do both, right? You can stay in this town for seven years and close the studio. Right. There is a both. Yeah. It's just so hard to imagine myself here without the studio because it's what brought me here. It's why I chose the apartment I live in. It's how everybody knows me. Most of my friends are like, clients or former clients or customers, you know, like it's hard to imagine like an identity here, you know, without I'm Sarah, I run the, the dance school or I'm the Pilates teacher. If I were able to like wave my magic wand and make everything perfect <laughs> and mm -hmm. wonderful, I would find the magical unicorn teacher, like the way I was when I came into this town there was an existing studio, Pilates studio, and the teacher was like, teach as much as you want. I want to run the business, but not teach as much. And I want to find like the me from the past now, <laughs> like mm -hmm. somebody who wants to just teach Pilates or even ballet, but it's essentially like two businesses. And if I can like hand that over to somebody and still teach it when I want to still offer it to the community, but not have the pressure of like being the only teacher for everything all the time. That would be kind of like a best case scenario, I think. But I've been trying to manifest that for like two years and <laughs> since the pandemic really. Um, and I, I just keep hitting dead ends and very few people want to like teach in a small town for not that much money. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I understand. Sarah, that's interesting that if you could wave your magic wand, what you would want is to keep your identity as Sarah, the dance teacher, and to keep the studio, but to have just slightly less pressure around the studio. I really thought you were going to say, if I could wave my magic wand, I'd be Sarah, the writer here, or Sarah, the hard worker who's a great mom, you know, and so... Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that waving your magic wand, you still have the studio. Yeah, knowing that I can't go back and, like, change the past <laughs> and be on a totally different path where I'm living in a city and I'm, you know, yeah. maybe I performed more. But, yeah, given in the given circumstance, I just want to do all the things. <laughs> I want to have the studio, but also have the freedom of, like, doing other things with my life and my career without throwing away seven years here, plus the four before it, plus however many years of dance training. And when will I ever be able to like let go of that 
like, will I know when it's time to let go? I just don't, I just don't know. You know, do you want to definitely let go of that at some point? I don't think I want to. It's just, it's so hard. It's like, it makes me like afraid to think of my identity as like being not tied up in dance. And I don't know why that is. Um, Well, because you've been a dancer for most of your life. Yeah. (laughs) But I remember like being in high school and I remember someone saying like someone who had graduated and was doing, you know, she was in college part time. She wasn't necessarily pursuing dance as a career anymore, but she still came to class every day. And I remember just being like, well, why are you still coming to class? Like in my head, it was all about like, you're in class, you can train to get a job so that you can like be performing. And I couldn't understand. I was like, well, why are you still in class? And she's like, because I don't know what I would do if I didn't have class every day. Like, it's just, it's a ritual. It's like what you do, even when she wasn't working toward a career anymore. And I remember kind of like, that was the first time I thought like, oh, I don't have to be doing this every day either. And what does my life look like without dance? But at that time, I really had no other life besides dance. Yeah. And now I do. You know, like I have a family and friends and other interests. I have another a degree in an outside field, you know. Yeah, but I still have that, like, even though the dance world hasn't been particularly kind to me, like, I still have that, like, I feel like I'm just interlaced with it and it's always going to be part of me. So that sounds to some extent like sunk cost fallacy, right? Because what you could do is say like, wow, ballet, you served me until I was 33 years old. And now it's time to like kiss you and send you off on a raft into (laughs) the ocean and be like, thanks and wave goodbye. And it sounds like you just, not just in a diminishing way, but like just in a sort of specific way, like you're concerned that you would feel so unmoored without it, right? I heard you say, like, I don't even know why I would live here, right? Like, I have no gravity without right. dance in this studio. Right. But that doesn't mean that dance in the studio is the right gravity. Right. That's kind of the fundamental thing. Like, is this the right way to ground myself? And, <laughs> and if it's not that, then how do I find that again? Yeah. But I like this, as I kind of ruminate on it, I like this idea of like, for now, I tell myself, all right, seven years, when my son graduates, or unless there's some, you know, big life event that changes things as as often happens, like, I do in many ways have like a great setup, and this is many people's dreams, like. (laughs) That doesn't matter, though. Yeah, I don't know. It's someone else's dream to become a pilot. If someone was like, Vanessa, you can be a pilot. I'd be like, no thanks. I don't want to be a pilot. Yeah. yeah. Like, but the idea like, okay, there's seven years and then life will happen. And then maybe I'll have more, yeah, a better sense of what, what I want my forties to be like. <laughs> but that's not what I meant by the seven years. What I yeah. meant by the seven years is that when I heard that panic of like, then I would have no reason to be here. You do have a reason to be there, your kid, right? Like he's lived there his whole life. You want him to be in the school system with his friends for the rest of his school career, right? You said you don't want to be one of those moms who's like, right? Like there's nothing wrong with those moms. You don't want right. to be and one of those moms. Sometimes it has to happen, but if it doesn't sure. have to, then I don't necessarily want to pull him out of the only home he's known. <laughs> so I, what I want you to consider is, like, you can stay in this town for seven years and let the town 
be what takes care of you as you close the studio and figure out this other identity. You don't know what this other identity is. Yeah. But good mom who's staying local so that her kid can go to school is a a great identity. And like might be a very soft place to like jump from into other identities. I'm not saying you should close the school either. I'm right. saying that there's freedom and limitation, right? And like this like mm-hmm. I have seven more years in this town takes other things off the table of like, well, if I close the studio, where would I even go? Right. It's like, well, you would stay. You can close the studio and stay. Yeah. So it's like finding the way for me, I just need to like understand that like, that's a good enough identity to have. (laughs) Even if I decide to keep the school open, maybe it's changing my thinking about it. Like, Mm-hmm. that it is just my workplace. Like maybe I don't even introduce myself that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when people ask me what I do, I can, you know, bring it up, but it, I don't know. I think that's a good like framing for it moving forward. I really, the thing that's echoing in my head is I don't even know what my identity would be. And so the question to me isn't, should I quit the dance studio? It's should I quit my identity being the dance person of my small town. Yeah. Right. Like that's step one of like, oh, and I could close the studio or, oh, I love the studio more if this isn't my identity or no, this is a super important identity to me. Right. But I think it's possible that that's the question rather than this like big complicated logistical question. Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) Like I joked before about, it really feels sometimes like my life is like a little sitcom with four different sets and that's nice, but in this town, you can get yourself really pegged into like, you know, like my husband will joke, like I'm the Miss Patty, like from Gilmore Girls. Like this is what I do. I definitely had that thought. (laughs) Which is great. Like I would love to be Miss Patty. That's a great person to be, but like, that's not life, right? Like we all wear many hats and we all have different identities and like, I don't have to exist just as the person who teaches people's kids ballet or teaches them Pilates in order to like be in this town, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You can be artist. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I really feel like, I know we're not ending anywhere specific, but I really, I really feel this, this like, so I could be anything. Right. Is it possible I want to be the thing I already am? (laughs) Yeah. And, like, I am also someone who always wants to do the next exciting thing. I love shiny things. So I I really feel for this. I just, I hope that the question can shift a little from should I close this dance studio to, like, who do I want to be? Right. I think that's that's really helpful. My friends and my husband were always, like, you're always asking if you should. Like, every time the lease is, is up for renewal, like, I always go through this because, I always see all of the potential, all of the things I could be doing. And it's why I like graduated with like a million accidental majors in college. Like, (laughs) so I just wanted to take all of the classes and then, but there's something to be said that I've, I've had many chances to close it. Like, and I haven't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the past is a horrible indicator of the future. True. (laughs) I, to me, it's how to love that about yourself rather than think of that as a flaw. 
you are someone who's excited about the world and is passionate about the world and is always, is not going to take anything for granted. And every year when the lease is up, yeah, you're going to be the person who's like, ooh, is this the year? Right? Like, maybe this is the year that I get out. And like, that's not going to change about you. So like, how do you actually love that about you and live a life that allows for that? Yeah. And part of me is just like, well, if you're someone who considers every time the lease renews, you might be the person who knows exactly when to get out to be like, this is the time that the lease renews and I'm hopping out. Yeah. You are someone who can do hard things. And you are someone who reflects a lot. And so this is so boring, but I'm just (laughs) like, trust these things about yourself. And I hope that if you decide, yeah, seven years in this town, that that limit actually feels like a sense of freedom for you. It does. For sure. There's a deadline. (laughs) I don't know a deadline, but yeah, like an expiration date. Yeah, it's not forever, but it is a good amount of time. That it does it does give me a sense of freedom. Keep us posted. <laughs> I'll I will. Thank you so much. This is like really helpful actually. <laughs> You've been listening to Should I Quit, our latest season of The Real Question. Our show is funded through our Patreon at patreon.com slash real question pod. If you're a regular listener, we would really appreciate your support. Another way you can support the show is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Real Question Pod and Twitter at The Real Q Pod. We love shouting out our BFF to your patrons, Molly Reilly, Kristen Hall, Mary Margaret, Becky Boo, Jenny Cruz, Amanda Schramm, Shannon Sheen, and Renee Underhill. Our executive producer is Caitlin Hoffmeister. We are edited and produced by Ariana Nettleman. Our music is by Nick Bull, and we are distributed by Acast. A huge thanks to the wonderful Sarah slash Miss Patty for joining us today. And thanks as always to our wonderful team, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Laura Glass, AJ Yaramas, Hannah Rehack, Margaret H. Wilson, Courtney Brown, Natalie Fulkerts, Casper Turkyle, and Stephanie Paulsell. Hi, listeners. This is Naomi Westwater. You may know me from my previous classes at Not Sorry. I'm dropping into your feed today to let you know about an upcoming course I'm running starting March 17th called Creating Daily Ritual, Tarot as a Sacred Practice. In this course, I will teach you about the history and meaning of the cards in the Rider-Waite-Smith Tarot deck and model how they can be used as a tool for self-reflection and creativity. Through lecture, discussion with your classmates, and solo journaling, I will aim to help you develop your individual connection with tarot, this ancient tool for meaning making. If you're looking to elevate your daily ritual, please join me starting Sunday evening, March 17th, for six weeks of habit building, learning, and community. Head to notsorryworks.com for more information. And be sure to check out our sliding scale pricing and scholarships listed on the website. That's notsoryworks.com.